This podcast is recorded, mixed and mastered at Smith & Western Studios in Sydney. If you want to improve the quality of your podcast or start a new podcast of your own, go to smithandwestern.com.au and get your first episode produced for free. You're listening to Love, Stephen. Stephen Russell joined the Black Watch 3rd Battalion Royal Regiment of Scotland and joined the Second World War in 1939 as part of the British Expeditionary Forces, aged just 23. Over six years, he wrote hundreds of letters home to his parents and love interest, Elsa, chronicling life at war. The letters tell the story of a blossoming love affair which survived against the odds. Stephen and Elsa were my grandparents, and these are his letters. Episode 6. Homesick and the End in Sight. 1st of January, 1945. My darling mother, this Christmas and New Year has made me feel more homesick than other years, due partly to frustrated expectations at not being home, and partly to the awful reminder that of eight years' service achieved today, five of them have been spent in captivity. What an achievement! Personally, I remonstrate daily against cynical talk, seditious utterances, etc., and then pour out the most depressingly cynical letters to you all. Don't pay any attention. It is the old question of the soldier's privilege. However, one can't help wondering lately whether one will fit into things again. The old life seems so very remote. In this connection particularly, I cannot help wondering fearfully about Elsa and myself, even after her many reassuring letters, bless her. The point is we both wishfully think our devious paths since 1940 can be easily made to converge, but can one be quite sure? I've written a book on a variety of topics of this nature, chiefly thoughts and reactions, and have many theories, but also a few doubts. I often find myself thinking I want to write to her, and say, don't wait any longer, it isn't fair on you, etc. But I want her so badly and I'm not big-hearted enough to do that. The idea is solely of anyone taking my place with her just isn't on. It isn't just she and me somehow, sometime, somewhere. Anything to enhance this aim is inevitable with me, though possibly it isn't the gentleman's way of doing things. I wonder if Rod is with you now. I hope he may be. Tell him to write. Another batch of repartees may be leaving shortly. I will try to get one to look you up, but as none of my particular friends don't count on it. I have no news. I'm very well. In bad form. The weather is freezing. We are expecting some new faces here any day. I wonder if I will know any of them. C'est tout. Bless you, darling. Stephen. 10th of January, 1945. My own beloved Elsa. You must try to forgive my fits of depression of late and the repercussions that trickle through to you in the shape of my letters. You must really be beginning to wonder if your choice of SAVR was wise. I've recovered now from the shock of still being here and it remains to make the best of it. I'm going to change my hut still and live with new faces, new routine, etc. This should effectively snap me out of that. So, darling, here is SAVR again, if you thought he disappeared. 
Letters have ceased altogether. Another because of the above, but, beloved, providing you fill the ether with telepathic waves for me, I am prepared for a bit longer. My darling, they say no news is good news. I try to believe that, but the odd letter would help. So keep banging them off no matter. It's not your fault if they don't arrive. I'm even more sure than ever that everything will come right in the end. Please note I visualize the army is going to be really good for a short time after the war, say ten years. The question is how do we want to spend it? The lot of an army wife can be very little short of dingy. If regimental soldiering is the order of the day, we should be helped by a small windfall when we get it. But a portal establishment isn't my idea of home for you. You should hear something shortly of me from the repatriated wounded, etc., in case nothing from me is getting through. Beloved, I am forever with you in spirit and thoughts, if not in person, but it can't be for so very much longer. We'll go absolutely crazy for as long as you like when I do get back. All love, beloved. Yours, Stephen. 31st of January, 1945 my own beloved darling Elsa. Your November the 8th letter telling me who had heard of my telegram through the Red Cross and all you then said in relation to it has just made all the difference. I suppose I've been wondering a little if perhaps this extension into 45, beyond one's over-optimistic hopes that it should be by the close of the year have all been all over, hadn't been the final straw that breaks the camel's back. Apologies one thousand times, beloved, for drawing comparison to such a dirty beast, the camel, but you can see what I mean. Anyway, your reassurance by one of the sweetest letters you've ever written to me has dispelled all my fears forever and ever. Darling, how are you? How can you infer that I should think you haven't done enough when it's you and you alone that has just made everything bearable? This is one of the almost impossible tasks that you have attained through your own courage, faithfulness and unending love that I can never repay, which sometimes frightens me that you've done so much when I have done so little in return. My own darling, believe me when I write and say that no person but you could have achieved that for me, and it is resultant that my ambition should be yours. Being yours and having you as my wife living together and being as we cannot fail to be blissfully happy. Angel, I think I realize just how lucky we are, how much more so than most. You do too, I know, so we can go right ahead. Darling, I just can't get over your letter. I wish I could write like that, but... As far as I'm concerned, it's quite the most treasured possession I have. Stupid, isn't it? It's only a scrap of paper, but you can see what it represents. You, Elsa, my love, my heart. Heavens, how lucky I am. Was anyone ever just so lucky? I don't think they could have been, because this instinctive love of ours goes back for generations. When I say I'm frightened of it all, don't misunderstand me. It's really that instinctiveness, that certainty... I feel inside of you and everything about us that makes me wonder, is it at all possible that I should be so lucky? S-A-V-R, chosen, can I ever be worthy of such a truly wonderful person? 
Darling, I'll try to be with you all my whole life, but I've so much to make up to you, who has done so much and everything for me. My own beloved, darling Elsa, I love you. You're my life, my heart. We will have all the happiness in this drab world. All my love, your Stephen. 28th of February, 1945. My darling mother, how are you? I wonder. With luck, you are getting the glorious spring like the weather we're having, and you'll be able to get in the loggia sitting out, perhaps even with Rod beside you. I do hope, darling, that you are quite recovered, because I'm coming home soon. What a truly wonderful day that will be. One can't even begin to visualize the terrific significance after all this. It's been over one-sixth of my life. I promised to tell you about my new companions. Jack, you know, I can't tell you how much we all admire him and thank God for his recovery. We are all regular soldiers after this. Roger Mortimer, who is very amusing, rather cynical and untidy, but very intelligent, a guards officer. Then there is Everard Radcliffe, my particular friend, a very talented games player, musician and charming officer. He was late ADC to General Hillard in the Bermudas and married to an American. Very smart and well-off and owns property in Yorkshire. He has a daughter, too, who he's never seen, but looks like a blonde bombshell aged five. You will meet him after the war, and I think he will captivate you. Then there's Peter Black, another guardsman, the cook and the baby of our party, aged 27, also married and well-off. Then there's Michael Bowick, who means well, but is like Stephen Tackless. Lastly, there's me, the carpenter, cobbler, and odd jobs man. Actually, we all combine very well and laugh most of the day. I've had, of course, nothing from Toots or Elsa for months now. I don't worry, because it's universal and it's just not getting through. I wonder if mine are the same your end. There can't be any need for letters soon. As you can imagine... We're all very alert and very short of both small kit and food, as neither the food nor personal parcels get through. However, we have to curb our appetites, and as we have to spend the majority of the day indoors anyway, it's no matter. It's a bore being permanently ravenous, though. I've been getting through quite a few books lately, mostly military history. Tolstoy's War and Peace, I think, is quite the best novel I've ever read. Well, darling, God bless you, and I'll be with you soon now. I can feel it in my bones. Love, Stephen. 4th of March, 1945. My own beloved darling Elsa. I disregarded your orders and sent a PC to your sister Jill last time. Forgive me, but she deserved an answer for her very sweet letter. Darling, we're down to a diet of potatoes and turnips. Beastly. However one cooks old Tom Turnip, he comes up with a disgusting taste of nip. Soon, darling, eggs and bacon, ovaltine, and a hundred other delicacies will tempt you and I. Beloved, it can't be long now, a matter perhaps of weeks, who knows, and then I'll only be happy when I see you. Sorry about this PC, it's complete rot. Forgive me, my darling, still nothing from any of you. All my love, Stephen. 18th of March, 1945. My darling mother, mail continues to be almost non-existent, though there are a few November, December and January letters coming through. Alas, I am not one of the lucky ones. 
My latest from Toots is still early November, and it's annoying to be so behindhand. The L Estate letter from Dawson and company never turned up. Still, I imagine my action was adequate. How I'm longing for the end to come, I can never tell you. There's so much I wish to do, so much to make up. It will be difficult to know where to begin. A few Red Cross parcels came in the other day. We were very glad to see them. I wonder if Rod is with you. Do get him to write. Am well. My love to you both. Stephen. 20th of March, 1945. My darling mother, I wonder so much if these letters will ever reach you. If your mail is as bad as it is here, I might even present myself and see this very same sheet reposing on your breakfast tray one morning. Who can tell? Everyone here, myself included, think and talk incessantly about our getting home. As you can imagine, it means something different to every one of us. For myself, you can guess my feelings, knowing as you do my love for you all and the regards I have for catches and all that goes with it. Besides all this, I guess the idea of marriage in the near future, to say the least, quickens the pulse. All the pleasures and little things one took so much for granted before the war now assume significance and magnitude of luxury beyond all proportion to their real importance. You have no idea how exciting it would be now to even put on a pair of my grey flannel trousers and a tweed coat, to have a bath, to turn on a tap out of which hot water flowed, to walk without a guard, to play a round of golf, a game of tennis, to laze on the lawn, and one hundred and one other things that have been barred all these years. There's so much more to talk about to you both. I suppose you will feel I'm very much older I don't mean change, but I'm interested in so many more aspects of life these days, bubbling over with ideas and things I want to do. Sometimes it seems there's so much wasted time to catch up on, but looking back, it hasn't been entirely wasted. I've grown up, that's all, and learned a great deal about human nature and a variety of other subjects. It all goes to increase one's desire to get back living, and things one took for granted before the war will mean so much more now. I'll explain better when I see you. We have typical March weather here now, winds and sunshine, very pleasant after the coldest of cold winters. Well, darling, I trust you are indeed better, and expecting me back soon. My love to you all. Yours, Stephen. 24th of March, 1945. My own darling Elsa. It looks just a little bit like my missing your birthday yet again. I had great hopes at one time, but although it won't be long after April the 12th. Darling one, I can't wait till my return to do anything good about it, as last time it was just such a failure. However, I shall be thinking of you even more than usual on that day if that's possible. Who knows? Anyway, I must just remotely possibly be able to put in an appearance, beloved. No matter whatever date I am to return we will have the most glorious reunion ever granted to anyone. That's how I feel, and I'm so certain and sure of the outcome that sometimes my imagination just runs riot. I love it. You'll say, don't count your chickens, etc., but I just can't help being sure and certain. There's so much I want to talk to you about, friends to introduce you to, subjects I have thought ahead about to discuss with you. Oh, darling, 
I'm like a ginger beer bottle, just ready to bubble over with everything that's been shut up all these years, and we just don't know where to begin. Besides all this, there is so much to enjoy. We must gallivant a little, sit quietly a little, enjoy peace in the country again, play tennis, squash and bridge, and the biggest thrill of all, get to know each other's little likes and dislikes, make small, generous sacrifices for each other that can mean so much and cost nothing, and I suppose one thousand and one other things like entertain a little, work a little, try to benefit the community a little, and the greatest of all, love each other a great deal more than any other pair. Beloved darling, it shouldn't be very hard. We're on the right track even now, and all the rest should just be like falling asleep and dreaming. Just one wants to dream. Heaven. Angel, you promised to come post-haste as soon as I arrive. I can't wait just one minute longer than I have to. Just all love to you, beloved. Always. Your Stephen. Yesterday morning at 2.41 a.m. at General Eisenhower's headquarters, General Jodl, the representative of the German High Command and of Grand Admiral Dönitz, the designated head of the German state, signed the act of unconditional surrender of all German land, sea, and air forces in Europe to the Allied Expeditionary Forces and simultaneously to the Soviet High Command. Uh, hostilities will end officially at one minute after midnight tonight, Tuesday the 8th of May. That was Stephen's last lesser home. In April 1945, Stephen and thousands of other POWs were moved from Offlag to his final POW camp in Mooseburg, 75 k's away. On the march, they were mistakenly attacked by eight American fighter planes with many killed and wounded. Stephen survived and marching by night after the attack, Mooseburg was reached and became the final camp for the 40,000 Allied prisoners. They were liberated soon after by the Americans who raised the Stars and Stripes flag at the main gate. After four and a half years of captivity, Stephen was free and in early May was flown back to England. He married Elsa in July 1945 and they had three children, John, Camilla and Lucy, my mum. Having retired from the army, he became a dairy farmer in Devon. After 40 years of marriage, Stephen died in 1985 whilst on holiday in Egypt with his beloved Elsa, her sister Jill and her husband. His letters survive as a memorial to a man who, like millions of others, did their duty for king and country and as a testament to a love that blossomed against all of the odds. The podcast was made possible thanks to the generous help and talents of Dan and Nick at Smith & Western Studios and Rupert Dagus's fantastic acting. So a massive thank you to them, the listeners and the backers and my family, especially Chris and Lucy, my parents. You've been listening to Love, Stephen, Created by Ben, Lucy and Chris Smith and performed by Rupert Degas. It was recorded, mixed and mastered by Dan Higson and Nick West at Smith & Western Studios in Sydney. Copyright Ben Smith, 2019.